Welcome to All About Data on Federal News Network. Now your host, Jory Heckman. Thanks for joining me this week on All About Data, a conversation with chief data officers and the people who are making data work better in government. On today's episode, federal data experts unpacking the challenges and opportunities of AI. We're going to present an excerpt of a panel I moderated at a recent ATART AI Summit. To start out, we'll hear from the chief data officer for the Pandemic Response Accountability Committee, Brian Lorenz. When the World Health Organization announced the global pandemic, there was a lot of fear in the economy. And and then Congress passed laws under the CARES Act to fund a lot of spending, a lot of programs to sort of sustain the economy. Now, at the same time, to get the money out quickly, that left a lot of opportunity for fraudsters. So you combine economic duress with, uh, with a whole lot of opportunity and a whole lot of money, and the fraudsters kind of went into overdrive. So as the chief data officer for the PRAC, my job is to help identify fraud, waste, and abuse, mismanagement that cuts across agency programs, but also try to identify the internal controls and the processes that could be put in place to stop this, uh, you know, in the future. And uh, it's a pretty target-rich environment. You know, I've accumulated about 95 data use agreements. We have about a billion transaction records from eight different uh, federal agencies. Agencies, so a lot of data to parse through, and all of those, all of that data has different uh, rules and uh, uh, and, and go- governance over what we can use the data to do. I mean, I don't need to tell you all about, uh, you know, the the data privacy and and uh, and 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 having permission to use data for different purposes and whatnot. So when you have that many tables that you're working across. What I think AI, one of the use cases that I think is really a great opportunity for us is we hired a ton of SQL programmers to be able to basically query and and look through all of this data. AI is pretty remarkable. You go to a landing page, you ask the question in, in natural language, and you can watch the SQL code being programmed alongside. That would have accelerated our process tremendously in trying to understand trends, patterns, because we're really interested in the phenomena of fraud, the way schemes are changing, the use of synthetic identities, the way that you know companies are being were set up, the way that shell companies were activated, dormant companies, and things of that sort. So I think AI, if properly set up, can allow us to work a lot faster and and also identify. It's been publicly said that SBA alone has a 100-year backlog of cases. So if you're on the tail end of that 100 years, you're probably going to be in pretty good shape. But one of the things about AI is it can kind of look at the different criminal communities, clusters, and allow us to say, okay, if you, if you like this fraud scheme and you like the way this data sets up and you know that, it's, that it proves itself out, you're going to love this community over here. So it can help prioritize and identify where to focus our effort. And then finally, I would say, this is something I'm really interested in, is we actually are part of the IG community, so we don't build solutions to this, but we can identify where the gaps are or where the problems are. And I think that being able to identify the phenomena and the types of fraud schemes, we can try to understand what kind of fixes might apply. 
Uh, how do you recognize uh, synthetic identities? How do you recognize a shell company? And, and I think AI has a lot of promise in, in, in that kind of area. So that's really where, where we're focused right now. I find the technology fascinating personally, uh, but and as a countermeasure, I think it's essential. I think you, you have to put yourself in the mind of the fraudster to properly counteract the fraudster. And so we want to experiment with the tools that they're using just so we can understand what to recognize and how to recognize it. That's really awesome to hear from an oversight perspective, tackling that fraud out there. Maybe that gives people a little bit of jitters if you are a SQL programmer and it's very good at doing what you do. Or, you know, I think at some baseline level, there's some some nervousness within the federal workforce of this is a very fast moving technology and it's, it's quite good at doing some tasks that they are assigned to do. And so I'll couch it in a broader change management question. How do you educate the workforce about this? How do you get them to understand uh, what this means for them and what it doesn't. You know, fundamentally, yeah, there's jobs that are going to disappear and they logically cannot be sustained. I mean, you can't put this genie back in the bottle. There's no way this genie's going back in the bottle. So, you know, maybe the skills of asking really good questions may be more important than your ability to code in SQL or in Cypher or in a whole variety of different coding that, but we'll still have to check it. There's going to be, you're going to have to check the code. You're going to have to check what the, the cogent question that you asked was properly coded, that, the, that it is pulling on the proper tables uh, and using the right data, that the data is authoritative and trustworthy and so on and so forth. But I think the, the actual coding will be a lot faster. It's a little bit like robotic process automation. It should just accelerate dramatically. I, and we were talking about AI ethics and things like that. I just don't know how you put it back in the bottle. You've you got to work with in the world you live in, not the, not the world you wish you lived in. So good morning, everyone. Heather Martin from NGA. This is definitely something we um, have challenged with on the geospatial and the intelligence community and probably the DoD um, at, at large with the adoption of AI. Um, to your point, I mean, we do we're going to have more data at our fingertips, which is great for the kinds of missions that all of us are doing. And we aren't going to have enough people to look at all this data and, and work with this data. Um, so to back to your question about how, you know, how we are educating folks, we have on our end kind of maybe two separate camps. So we have analysts that are very comfortable that see this deluge of data in our world coming our way and understand that to be able to do something with it, to do all the innovative things they want to do with it, um, to accelerate their mission, they have to be comfortable adopting computer vision tools and AI technology. And then you have the other side of the house that is very skeptical. There's some distrust about AI and how it was built, how it's going to be used in their mission set, and they're very uneasy about it. So for us, the challenge is the education piece, of course, and we're tackling that a few different ways, but maybe the most beneficial for us has been the folks that are developing computer vision capabilities, uh, sending those folks out to different work centers, so both DoD and IC, having them sit with the, you know, the analysts, completely, you know, spend a couple days really understanding their mission and the area of the world that they're focused on or the objects they care about, really having them understand what the analyst is trying to do, then introducing the AI computer vision tool, teaching them how to use it. We try to build these tools so they're intuitive, so there's not a lot of training that goes into it. And then, you know, once they've kind of gotten the tool and they've had a chance to play with it, then it's, you know, it's now part of their workflow and they can choose to use it or not. Majority do choose to use it when they see the benefit of how much time it frees up. They don't have to 
go through thousands of images to find that thing they care about. And now, you know, we're seeing analysts we haven't even introduced to these things. They're, they're teaching each other. They're seeing the benefit of it, and we're seeing organically them coming together and teaching each other and showing these, these tools. So I certainly think there's an education piece, and that will continue. I think for our world, the amount of data, I mean, we're talking three, four times the amount of data will be available to our analysts over the next 10 years. So huge increase in data. Um, so they are now seeing that it really is um, to, to be able to do their job, they really have to embrace these, these tools. And data really seems to be obviously the foundation of everything AI-based. Most of you have data in your titles or some way, you know, are working with the data as part of this AI revolution here. Shakib, I know we were talking about this, that the federal data strategy at some level was supposed to be a north star for all these AI innovations. And I know that at an administration level, there is some interest in putting some policy here in place for a broad swath of the federal government, but to keep in, in your perspective on things, in, in what ways has the federal data strategy been useful for this AI innovation, and in what ways has it been lacking? The key word here is, is data. So Heather was talking about that, and uh, to explain what artificial intelligence is, I think it's important to understand that. The problem with that is that even intelligence, human intelligence, we, we have difficulties uh, defining it. It's, it's a multifaceted com concept. The, the first start that we have to do for federal agencies is, is really to uh, better govern our data. So the federal data strategy in, yeah, in June 2019, there was a memo that was sent to all the head of agencies about uh, we're going to be starting a framework to encourage uh, all the federal agencies to, uh, to develop uh, a strategy to leverage data as a strategic asset, fulfill their mission, their service, and, and for the public good. And then we had two action plans uh, that were already uh, in place, so the, in 2020 and 2021. And since then, we, there is nothing else. So we, we heard that OMB is working now hard to develop the next action plan. And then I understand that probably some tweaking is necessary because of the recent development. But that federal data strategy uh, priorities are already in place. Uh, for instance, at, uh, at Commerce, we are doing a data assessment maturity report across all, the, all our agencies are working hard to develop a report by the end of September to look at each, each one, each agency will look at their, how they are governing their data, how they manage their data, what are the gaps, uh, how they can improve data. And when we're talking about data is in terms of quality, in terms of governance, in terms of accessibility, in terms of sharing that data, and how to best leverage their data. So that's the key here in, in uh, so if you want to get into artificial intelligence and you are, you're still worried about the risk about federal, uh, about that AI, the first thing you should do is look at the data that you use every day. Check the quality of the data. Make sure that the data is secure, that you are fulfilling the, uh, the laws that are in place in terms of data privacy, etc. How to enhance the access to the data. What data that you don't have, but you would like to have, and try to see where it is. Is it public or is it from another agency? How you can actually try to get access to that additional data that can help you do better your job. So very importantly, whatever you do with, with AI or generative AI, it's all about the quality of the data that you use. Uh, the algorithms learn from the data. They're not, they're not 
smart enough to create their own data. They actually learn from the data. So whatever you feed them, that's what they're going to bring out to you. So the, the Federal Data Strategy is very important as a North Star because it helps us basically better govern our data, better understand uh, uh, how to leverage data in, in our processes as well as in our uh, AI applications. That was Chakib Shribi, the Chief Data Scientist for the National Technical Information Service. We're going to take a short break, but we'll continue our conversation when we return. I'm Jory Heckman, and you're listening to All About Data on Federal News Network. data, we're going to jump back into our ATARC panel discussion on AI challenges and opportunities. You're going to hear from the Deputy Chief Data Officer for U.S. Citizenship and Immigration Services, Damien Caustic. And Damien, you said in the open here that, you know, one of the stumbling blocks, one of the things that agencies need to contend with, with when it comes to AI is just understanding what is AI and what it can do and what it can't do. You know, we have seen a number of agencies, you know, put together data strategies at this point, you know, in, in the absence of something more comprehensive like a federal data strategy, you know, subsequent action plan at the USCIS level, at the DHS level. How do you, you put that policy cart before the horse when it comes to uh, getting an AI off the ground? I think one of the things we're really starting to see in terms of the implementation um, is that AI doesn't just happen on the IT side of the fence, right? It also happens in the business side. And actually, I, uh, you know, to this discussion about democratization uh, of what AI can do, or at least the generative AI anyway, to be specific, uh, right, is it can help you develop code. But in terms of implementation, you just peel that and that nexus with ethics, AI ethics, AI policy, all this kind of stuff. Our shop has definitely found that there are things such as going to the training sets, right? It's about the quality of the data. So what can we do and what, what role do we play for that? Well, for example, we need a data standard of the training sets. That's not something IT shop makes, that's something the business side makes. And so we've been, for example, very much trying to work on those training sets. And then also what goes into that training set, right? You don't want the proverbial original, some of the chat bots that went crazy because they trained them on Twitter and they started, you know, putting out profanity and stuff like that or horribly profiling individuals. So we have to collaborate across the whole, uh, certainly the component and the agency for the, what are those standard sets that will define the limitations and the borders and the boundaries and the quality, define the quality of what is an AI output that is high quality. And certainly as a CDO shop, we're, we're already embedded in things such as data standards, data sharing, and all that, that also, again, higher quality, feed it. If there's any other kind of emphasis that I feel like we've really started to see quite a lot of is that uh, it, it's in the data sharing world. <laughs> because one of the things that all of this AI needs, right, training sets, it needs lots of data. It feeds it. Well, you know, a lot of federal agencies are still very much into siloed and turfed 
territory for data, and some groups are loath to share. Well, that actually inhibits our ability to actually get this type of technologies uh, up and running and actually make it running with high quality if, we, if we're missing holes in that knowledge gap, that corpus. So we're absolutely working in the implementation on, again, standards, training set standards, data standards, all that good governance work, but also, again, very much emphasizing the data sharing component of it. You know, it seems to me, just having read a number of these documents, that these data strategies, they spend a lot of time and a lot of effort on the AI ethics side of things, make sure that within these agencies, AI is deployed, you know, free of bias, that it's trustworthy, that it's equitable to, you know, everyone that it deals with. Brian, it occurs to me that in your line of work, there are fraudsters out there, they have access to chat GPT, same as the rest of us, and they are not really concerned about any of those things. If anything, their business is to perpetuate fraud, and you know, given these tools, they're able to do it a lot more effectively. You know, fraud is always this cat and mouse game, right? Staying ahead of the fraudsters. What does AI-driven fraud kind of look like, and how do you stay ahead of this new wave of threats? There's some fraud GPT and worm GPT, and there's these different uh, sort of uh, burgeoning uh, uh, platforms that will that you can use to write malware. You can use them to write phishing attacks and things like that. And so, uh, yeah, you're right. They they're not concerned with AI ethics, and there's a lot of burgeoning tools in the fraud space to actually enable fraud. Like fraud GPT is is pretty notorious, uh, Worm GPT, and they'll help you write malware, they'll help you, uh, you know, what, write good phishing attacks, they'll, they really are out there and they have no compunction around ethics whatsoever. What I think we have to do is use those tools to understand what they actually will program, understand the kinds of questions that people are going to ask of them and then come up with the countermeasures appropriately. So I think the government has to explore those tools just to understand what other people are going to be coming up with. And uh, yeah, I think that's the, the core of, of how we have to treat uh, those because yeah, AI ethics poses some, some things for me because I don't think you're putting it back in the bottle, so to speak. And so I, I do, I mean, I recognize that there are things that we should not leave to machines. Uh, they, on the flip side, machines sometimes are more, uh, if it's properly programmed, they actually can be less biased uh, than a human being making a decision. So. That, I think that process is full of balances and counterbalances that are going to have to be explored over the, and, and, and there is lots of dialogue going on around that. Heather, one thing we've discussed as far as the challenges side of things of AI is AI is very good at doing things very quickly, sometimes very efficiently, sometimes it just gets it wrong. It's pretty high stakes in the IC if something gets wrong there, and obviously there's that human in the loop. In terms of the intelligence community workforce using these tools, working with these tools, but um, also making sure that what it's producing is valuable to them. How do you manage all that? Yep, good question. Um, so I'll say, first of all, any of the AI development initiatives that we have, so this is not unique to NG, of course, but DOD and IC, we're seeing it across, um, across the geospatial community. Um, everyone that's doing this work has someone embedded with the operators or the analysts asking them, 
is this helpful? And most all of us are using an agile software development approach to so that CI, CD. We're getting that constant feedback from the users. They're getting to play with new releases and they're immediately giving us that feedback and we're taking that immediately, getting it onto the backlog so the next sprint um, they can see that change that they're asking for immediately in the tool or the capability. So, um, so that's one way we're getting immediate feedback. Um, the education piece that I mentioned, just again, going out um, to any of our, our units, so DOD, IC, you know, partners, customers um, across the globe, and just again, introducing these tools, educating them on, on how to use them, and really showing the value of that. And again, like I mentioned, now it's kind of this organic movement, whereas they're seeing the value, they're telling their friends, and others are adopting these things more and more. Um, I think the... Um, you know, the getting it right piece is um, definitely a challenge. I mean, some of these, we have some customers that um, they're dealing with so much data that a model, it may not be perfect, it may, may not find the thing they're looking for all the time, but for them, that's totally fine. Um, they need something, because something is better than nothing, um, and they're okay with filling in the gaps, but it's still gonna give them a jump start for whatever kind of analysis they're doing. And then on the other side, we have some customers that need some pretty exquisite tools, and it better be right every time. So we're really trying to find the balance um, you know, we use that embedded approach with both of them just so we can get that quick feedback and serve kind of both types of analysts, both types of warfighters. Um, but it certainly is a challenge. Um, and I'll say on the, on the trust piece, um, to maybe Brian's point earlier, that, that whole trust of, you know, where is your data coming from? It is training the model, so the model's only as good as the data you're feeding it. Um, for us, we've really been focused on that governance, independent validation and verification process. So, you know, anyone developing these kind of tools at the program level have their own test and evaluation process. Um, and largely, most are using the same kind of standards. Um, and then within our GeoInt community, we have, uh, we are establishing an independent validation and verification kind of overarching process so that essentially programs can package up their, their T&E stuff pass that to kind of the governance function that, you know, you can have an independent board look at it and go, oh yeah, this is how it was trained, this is who owns the model, this is how good it is, this is what it should be used for or not used for, and then kind of end of the process, it's hosted um, in a model registry so that anyone in the DOD or IC know what exists and how well it was trained and what it's really good for. So um, definitely a challenge though, you're, you're, you know, to your point, you're using these tools while you're also building the governance process, um, which is a challenge. I think all of us on the panel have talked about that before walking in the room and it really is, um, you know, wanna, you don't want to keep people from being really innovative, but just kind of setting those very high level left and right boundaries, legal and ethical boundaries, and not, not getting in the way of the innovation piece. That was Heather Martin, the acting director of the Office of Plans, Programs, and Strategies within the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency's Directorate for Data and Digital Innovation. You can find more data coverage as well as more episodes of All About Data on federalnewsnetwork.com. I'm Jory Heckman, and thanks for listening to this episode of All About Data. Thanks for listening to All About Data on Federal News Radio, part of Federal News Network. You can listen to this episode and past episodes anytime in your favorite podcast app. Search for All About Data on Podcast One, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your shows.